0: Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Carbon Curve. I'm your host, Naeem Merchant, and this is a podcast about the collective action approach needed to remove billions of tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and fend off the worst effects of climate change. After a few weeks off, I'm excited to bring you a new series of interviews with policy experts, market shapers, and entrepreneurs who are working tirelessly to scale up the carbon removal or CDR innovations needed to draw down CO2 from the atmosphere. Over the next eight weeks, I'll be speaking with experts on topics including environmental justice, measurement reporting and verification, and the policies that help spur plans for a multi-million ton per year direct air capture facility in Wyoming. Today, we're covering a topic I'm absolutely obsessed with. How are we going to pay for carbon removal? Seriously, how are we going to pay for this? Companies like Shopify, Stripe and Microsoft made catalytic early CDR purchases, which helped create the entrepreneurial dynamic carbon removal sector we see today. So I wanted to speak to someone who was central to that effort about the formation of an almost billion dollar advanced market commitment, how we bring on the next wave of corporate buyers, and what comes next for the early catalytic funders that helped stimulate the CDR sector in the first place. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to this podcast at carboncurve.substack.com or through your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about my work supporting NGOs, corporates and funders on strategies to scale up carbon removal, be sure to check out my newly launched website at carboncurve.co and reach out if you're interested in finding ways we can work together. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. Today, my guest is Stacy Kout, head of sustainability at Shopify. Shopify is a leading provider of essential internet infrastructure for commerce, offering trusted tools to millions of merchants worldwide to start, grow, market, and manage their business. Shopify makes commerce better for everyone with a platform and services that are engineered for reliability while delivering a better shopping experience for consumers everywhere. Shopify sustainability fund contributes a minimum of $5 million annually to support tech-driven entrepreneurs at the frontier of reversing climate change. The goal of the fund is to assist companies that are proving, scaling, and commercializing climate technologies for massive impact in the long term. Shopify is one of the largest corporate purchasers of long-term carbon removal globally. Stacy joined Shopify in January 2020, and as the head of sustainability, Stacy's role is to ensure the millions of businesses using Shopify's platform, the nearly 600 million shoppers that purchased from a Shopify merchant last year alone and climate entrepreneurs are globally working together in the fight against climate change. Stacy leads Shopify sustainability fund, which has committed more than $32 million to date since 2019 across 22 entrepreneurial tech-driven companies to accelerate carbon removal solutions globally. Most recently, Stacey was behind Shopify's decision to help build and launch Frontier, which we'll talk about today, an advanced market commitment to buy an initial $925 million of permanent carbon removal alongside partners such as Stripe, Alphabet, Meta, and McKinsey Sustainability. She also serves on the advisory board for the Carbon Management Research Initiative at Columbia University. Prior to joining Shopify, Stacy was head of the Ozone Layer Protection Program at Environment and Climate Change Canada. Previously, Stacy worked on several chemicals management regulatory initiatives and represented Canada as a member of delegations for the Stockholm Convention and Montreal Protocol. Stacy began her career as a practicing engineer, designing environmental protection measures and pollution prevention controls for a variety of industry sectors. She has worked for the City of Ottawa, Morrison Hirschfield, and Golder Associates. Stacy holds a Bachelor of Engineering and Masters in Public Administration from Carleton University. Stacy, welcome to the show.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here.
0: Uh, I'm really excited about this conversation as well. I think whenever we've had the chance to uh, connect, or I've kept up with updates from Shopify Sustainability Fund, I've been really impressed by Shopify's intentionality and deliberate strategy around jumpstarting the carbon removal market. I, I also really, you know, appreciate how open you've been about your process. You know, I recall you you all putting out an excellent white paper or playbook on how to kickstart the carbon removal market, which is, I think, extremely valuable as we think about getting more companies to follow Shopify's lead. So Shopify has clearly been an important catalyst in the carbon removal industry. For the benefit of our listeners, give us a bit of a history lesson. Tell us about Shopify's sustainability fund. How did it come about? And what was the motivation behind launching it?
1: It's a great question because it's a fun backstory because it was really our experience um, starting on the journey of gathering the information and trying to estimate and measure our corporate carbon footprint. And so we started with that and we actually went all the way back to 2004 when our CEO launched his first online store. And, you know, we got that number together. We felt really good about it. And then it was time. Okay, great. Now, how do we undo all of the emissions we are responsible for from our operations? And so, you know, we did some research. There was a lot of first principles thinking, well, we really didn't want to buy a traditional offset where we paid some other company to not pollute as much as we had. We really wanted to support a solution that undid our footprint. And so we zeroed in on wanting to buy carbon removal credits. And so this took place like back in 2018, 2019. And, you know, a lot has happened since then. But back in 2019, when we were trying to buy these credits, we quickly realized uh, what was available was very expensive uh, and also in short supply, right? And so a lot of the times back then, if you were buying a carbon removal credit, say from a direct air capture facility, often that facility was not yet built. And so we were like, wait a second, the product that we want to buy is not readily available in the market. And wait a second, there's actually no market. And so that understanding of the state of play back in 2019 was what catalyzed the creation of our sustainability fund, which you talked a little bit about in the intro. You know, we commit a minimum of $5 million every year towards the most promising solutions and technologies. And back then, that was intended to be a big demand signal. Hey, we're going to spend $5 million on this stuff every year, so let's go. You know, And part of the thesis there was this would hopefully be enough to get things moving and to start to kickstart the carbon removal market. And so alongside a couple other companies that made similar commitments around the same time, like Stripe and Microsoft, we started to you know, buy the carbon removal that was available, we started experimenting with contracts for futures and prepayment and all sorts of things. So that's where it came from, because we wanted to make sure that we were complementing our, you know, efforts to reduce our emissions and compensate for historical footprint alongside a market building initiative to make sure that the technologies that we need are proving themselves and being scaled and commercialized for hopefully what could be massive impact in the long term.
0: Yeah, that's really great. And I think what gets missed a little bit about a company like Shopify taking such a thoughtful approach to solving this is that um, I just think stakeholders internal and, and external to the company really appreciate something that's a bit more thoughtful as opposed to just buying kind of cheap carbon offsets, but instead saying, "Oh, there's a problem, and we can play an active role in helping solve this problem that goes beyond just handling our carbon footprint.
1: You got it. and I mean, it's it's a Shopify has a mission to be a one hundred year company. And so when we're talking about hundred year time horizons, that starts to bring in other problems that are threats to your business, right? And so, when we're thinking about a 100 year timeline, climate change is something that we have to actively fight against. And one of the ways we're able to do that is through funding carbon removal. And that is hopefully going to enable us to future proof our merchants' businesses and then safeguard our own. And so it's this longer term vision that's kind of led us down this path of wanting to spend money now so that we can identify the solutions that will play a key role. And then also identify those that are distractions that are not having the impact we want them to have and to stop funding those. So we're hopeful that, you know, in the longer term that this will be um, a really important endeavor.
0: Yeah, that long term orientation is is really valuable. And, And actually to get into that, how does Shopify sustainability fund work? You know, how are companies selected?
1: So we've had a couple of different processes over the years since our launch, but really what it comes down to is we handpick each of the portfolio companies. We have 22 right now, and we have two sections within our fund. We have one that's called our Frontier Portfolio, which includes uh, technologies that permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere, like direct air capture, uh, product utilization in concrete with biogenic sources, ocean solutions, biomass-based solutions, and mineralization. Then we also have another portfolio called our Evergreen Portfolio, and that includes solutions that either uh, reduce carbon emissions or provide storage that's more of a, you know, on a 10 or hundred year time horizon. And so that includes things like nature-based solutions, uh, as well as, you know, sourcing renewable energy and signing virtual uh, power purchase agreements, as well as transportation-based solutions that we can help to scale and which could eventually reduce emissions from shipping, which is a, a key thing when we're thinking about global commerce. And so when we're picking the companies that we wanna work with, uh, we conduct deep due diligence. We focus in on three really important things. One, obviously the scientific and technical viability of the solution. We think about the scalability and we think about this in two ways. One, we wanna make sure that the companies we're picking have the potential to contribute to being a meaningful part of the solution to climate change. So, you know, we're not talking necessarily gigaton or megaton scale on their own, but driving forward a subset of carbon removal that, if it is um, scaled and distributed, that it can then really draw down that atmospheric concentration. So, we think about scalability in terms of. Capacity, But then we also think about it in terms of what does the cap expenditures, the operating expenditures and the monitoring reporting and verification costs of a certain solution, what do they look like, you know, today, when we're talking about potentially like small scale pilot facilities, they're going to be all really high, Uh, what are they going to look like as the company scales and they come down that cost curve, so that we can understand whether or not, it's actually going to be an economically viable part of the solution set. And so that's how we think about scalability. So we ask for a lot of information that helps us understand the situation today and where a company expects to be, you know, in five years or 10 years. And then, of course, we always make sure that we're understanding what the co-benefits are. And we also apply, you know, a do-no-harm principle where we really want to understand uh, what the potential risks are, the negative Potential impacts of a solution, and this is where it can kind of get interesting because often we've never actually done the actual thing in the actual place that it's going to take, where it's going to happen. So we really focus in on uh, the ability of a company, either with in-house experts or external expertise, to make sure that they're not only proving their technology, but they're also making sure that is is it is the safe, safe way to conduct carbon removal. And so we, we do all of that. And then we try to make sure that we answer one other question, which is very yeah, uniquely Shopify. We really want to understand what a partnership with Shopify can do for this company. Because we have you know our annual budget that we're gonna to allocate to carbon removal. And we wanna make sure that we're allocating that capital in the most impactful way possible. So we wanna pick out companies that working with Shopify is gonna make our dollars go further. And so we try to make sure that our purchase is going to be catalytic. And often that means being a first buyer that can then amplify the um, potential of a carbon removal company and try to get other buyers to join us. So that's one of the big focus areas.
0: I I really like that focus on, on trying to be as catalytic as possible and and that it can actually crowd in more resources that can help then you know, a carbon removal company scale even further. So you've been doing this for a few years now, and I imagine what comes up in kind of continuing to try to build momentum around this, both internally and externally for you, is that despite how nascent the CDR industry is, you want to be able to point to the impact that you're having. You've talked a little bit about some of the criteria that you care about, but how are you measuring the impact of this fund to date? And what's, you know, a notable example of the impact you've had so far?
1: Definitely. And this is one of the key components of our approach is we want to make sure that we're actively monitoring the performance of the companies that we choose. So we have 22 companies. We gather data from them twice a year. And this data is related to the, you know, the financial performance of the company, the technological advancements that they've made? Are they hitting milestones? How much capital have they raised? We look at all sorts of things to make sure that we're really understanding how the company is evolving. And it's also a way for us to try to identify ways that Shopify can support. And so, you know, to throw out some numbers, you know, in the three years since we launched our fund, we've definitely demonstrated demand for carbon removal when there was previously none we've seen other buyers enter the market. We've seen carbon removal companies accelerate their development because of the prepayments in our agreements. And we've also seen that we, because we're doing non-dilutive investments, what we're seeing is that external capital is being unlocked for these companies. And so since our launch, we've seen companies in our fund raise tens of millions of dollars. They've grown their carbon removal capacity by as much as 80 times and they've increased their customer bases by as much as 40 times. And those are pretty high multipliers. And so I'll give you a couple of examples to kind of put this all into context. Carbon engineering, we were their first buyer and we purchased 10,000 tons from them. And we did that back in March of 2021. And what we saw was like, holy smokes, that's that's a big amount of carbon removal to buy. And then the market was absorbing that. And then it was really exciting when we saw a follow-on purchase from Airbus, where they announced a 400,000 ton purchase. And so that's a perfect example of what we're trying to do, is to pick a very promising technology and solution. Say, hey, we think this is great. It's going to be really important that we get early purchasers on board to be that demand signal we do that and then you know we get those larger companies from more carbon intensive industries who really need to lock up carbon removal credits for their business purposes in the near term and the long term come in and sign on those deals and so that's a good example another one would be heirloom And they do direct air capture through mineralization. We're their largest buyer. We purchased 400 tons also back in 2021. And since then, heirloom's been able to drastically improve the rate of their process, you know, from limestone taking months, weeks, years, to absorb CO2 from the atmosphere. They've now been able to optimize and get down to days. And what our purchase was able to do for them since we do prepayments and then milestone payments as heirloom is checking boxes and moving along their development timeline they're unlocking more cash from us which then enables them to you know buy equipment bring on more staff and so it's really important to get that cash flow into these companies early on
0: yeah i had the opportunity to um spend a little time with uh, with Shishank and at uh, Heirloom a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco and to just see their process and how they've been able to kind of improve their technologies and their design in order to accelerate that you know rate of carbon removal is really cool and to see all the kind of tests that they're doing to optimize their process they're certainly you know making some real real progress there so that's really cool to see and it's great to hear that Shopify was an early supporter they're they're doing some really, really cool stuff. Just to pivot to Frontier now, I mean, and Fr- Frontier is an advanced market commitment that was recently launched to accelerate carbon removal. What was the genesis of Frontier and why did Shopify decide to help launch that effort?
1: So it came out of the experiences and the shared observations that we were having alongside other carbon removal early movers like stripe and so you know we would we were actually at the direct air capture summit in zurich in the fall of 2021 in september and we were talking about the same things we were observing in the market it was like man we've all bought everything that's available what else are we going to buy we need more companies to get out there Um, You know, we've, we've seen it start to turn over and things start to move, but our biggest takeaway was, you know, our, our purchasing power is not enough. We've moved the market, but we have not fully kickstarted the market and got it so that we're really rolling in the right direction. So we know that we knew that we needed more momentum and really what that momentum is, is big capital big buying signal, right? And so that's where the frontier concept came from. And Stripe is doing a lot of digging around into different kinds of financial models that could be applied to carbon removal. And that's where the concept of an advanced market commitment came from. It was that demonstration, obviously, because back in 2021, there's lots of talk about vaccines and (laughs) COVID and vaccine development. And so, you know, borrowing that model from the healthcare sector seemed like, Hey, this just might work. And so that's where the concept has come from. And it was a long road of discussions of, well, what could this look like? How would we work together? Who else could we get to come alongside us? And so that's how we ended up with the companies that launched frontier earlier this year and. You know, I I do strongly believe that the combined demand signal is exactly what the market needs to accelerate the development of carbon removal technologies. But really, it's only one piece of the puzzle, you know, saying that, you know, this is the quality of the product. This is what we demand for a credit in order for us to make a purchase. That's one part of the puzzle. But the other part is finding ways to get more R&D resources in, finding ways to develop some of these big scale projects. You know, a billion dollar DAC plant is a massive piece of infrastructure and undertaking. And, you know, carbon removal has never really done that before. So what we do need is um, expertise from elsewhere to come in and apply learnings from other sectors so that we can really advance the work that's already underway and I think a demand signal like an advanced market commitment is a good way to do that because you know you do have that guaranteed pot of cash if you get there first or you build the thing we're looking for we're going to buy it so it kind of de-risks that uh, R&D and project development side of things but I mean only time will tell how fast that will accelerate the development of carbon removal to scale.
0: Yeah that's really interesting and I'm curious to know, then, how is Frontier's mission different from Shopify's Sustainability Fund? Like what changes about Shopify's strategy for the Sustainability fund in the immediate term and maybe medium term now that Shopify is part of Frontier?
1: So I've been explaining this quite a bit to different uh, you know parts of the ecosystem. And so our sustainability fund is very broad you know, we have a huge range of solutions, including nature-based solutions like soil carbon storage, regenerative bag, uh, reforestation. We have avoided emissions projects in there that we think are critical for decarbonizing hard to abate sectors. All of those things won't fit into the definition of frontier. So our $5 million minimum commitment through our fund is still going to be rolled out year after year. And our commitment through Frontier is in addition to that. So we've got another pot of capital that we're going to be allocating through Frontier that is really only for that very limited definition of CDR, which is that, you know, thousand-year permanence, $100 per ton target. And so we see Frontier as sort of almost like the bullseye of the definition. And so we'll be procuring that type of carbon removal through Frontier, but then we will also be continuing our efforts across the other verticals within our sustainability fund to make sure that we're uh, pushing all of those solutions forward because really to have a holistic approach to solving climate change, you really have to do both because you know, a ton that we avoid emitting today, it's much cheaper than paying to remove it and suck it out of the air, put it away somewhere else down the road. So we wanna take an approach that does both And, you know, popular or unpopular opinion on permanence, but um, if if we don't deal with storing CO2 in the shorter term now, like we really need to do that because a thousand year permanence isn't going to help us if it takes us 10 to 15 years to develop those solutions because it'll all be fait accompli at that point. So, you know, setting our bar a bit lower on the permanent side of things can often really be impactful so that solutions that offer less than a 100-year permanence are going to bridge that gap while we wait for that permanent carbon removal to scale. So we're wanting to be making sure that we're investing in both.
0: Your investments in the space alongside Stripe and Microsoft, I think, are uh, a big reason for the dynamism I think we're currently seeing in the CDR industry, but how do we attract the next wave of corporate buyers to buy long duration or permanent CDR that you know we know costs more money, recognizing that they're probably a bit more risk averse? What messages do we need to help get them on board and how do we smooth the path for them?
1: I love that question because it's a bit of a riddle because Companies have very different uh, risk tolerance, different corporate cultures, and, you know, Stripe and Shopify, I won't speak for Stripe, but Shopify, we we like being risky. We really are happy to take a chance on something. You know, it doesn't mean that we haven't done our due diligence and we firmly believe everything's going. We pick companies that we think are going to be successful, but we do understand that there are things in the way that are outside of our control and doesn't necessarily mean the technology's not going to work. What it could mean is there's a regulatory barrier. There could be all sorts of other things that stop the solution from being successful. And when you think about other buyers of carbon removal, that has to be de-risked because companies are not going to want to spend money on carbon removal credits that may not end up being delivered. And this really ties into the whole push for, you know, an SBTI net zero commitment, a carbon neutrality commitment, because those two things, when a company makes those commitments, there's a budget associated with implementing that, right? And so what you're automatically doing is connecting a certain carbon footprint with your budget. And that'll drive you to a price point, an average price that you have to hit. And that can often be much lower than the cost of carbon removal today. And so, you know, part of the work that we're doing is trying to drive down that price so that it unlocks and makes carbon removal accessible for more companies. But then we're into the the chicken or the egg situation because that's a purchase way down the road, the price will be better, they'll get involved. Great, but we can't get there without their involvement today right? So uh, when I'm talking to other companies about, you know, maybe joining Frontier, making a commitment to purchase through Frontier, or to just start buying carbon removal, I talk about two things. One is they need to learn about carbon removal now. And it's all about future-proofing their business. Because what we've experienced in three years is that there's a few of us interested, we've bought everything. By 2030, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of companies interested, We're all going to buy everything. So if you don't have a stake in the game now, it's going to be very hard and very expensive for you to have one later. So even starting small today gives you those benefits of securing those relationships and those contracts that enable you to have access to those credits down the road. And you also know what you're buying. You may have made a couple mistakes. At least you're not doing that when it's a mission-critical purchase when your net zero commitments do. So there's that part. And then it's also about impact and making sure that you're aligned with whatever regulatory shifts are gonna take place. There's a lot of froth around the definition of what an acceptable carbon credit is to use towards a net zero commitment. We don't know where that's gonna land, but the education and the understanding is increasing around quality and permanence requirements. And so as that evolves, the price is going to get higher because there's going to be increased monitoring, reporting, verification requirements. So, you know, get involved now, future-proof your business, and have a stake in the game when you're going to need it down the road to meet your climate or your net zero commitments.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there's some really good opportunities for for learning by by getting involved in this in this marketplace now. Um, okay, so shifting over to other levers we can use to support carbon removal. I think policy is a really big one. What role do you think the public sector needs to play in the long-term growth of the CDR market? What should governments be doing now to prepare to take on that role in the coming years?
1: So I think there's two sides of play for for government and the public space. You've got what they can do to level the playing field on the, the carbon removal market in and of itself. So that they're creating uh, the right incentives, so that the right technologies can be built and scaled on one side, and you know, making it more cost effective for them to be able to do that. And that means you know, putting things in place that are technology agnostic, where you know we're not just putting down a list of things that can get tax credits. We're putting down a performance-based uh, regulatory scheme where if you meet these requirements, you get those tax breaks, because we don't want to constantly be in this loop of being three years behind updating our legislation. We want performance-based legislation, I would say that, because if we're updating, by the time we do that update, the carbon removal company is going to be bankrupt. So we need to make sure those incentives are there at the outset. So that's only the carbon removal side. And then if we flip over to the corporate side, like the buyers of carbon removal, from a policy perspective, there's a few things that governments and and the public sector can do. The first is to level the playing field over here, make the definition of what's an acceptable carbon credit, universally applicable, uh, not limited by necessarily jurisdictions. We need um, international leadership around that so that we can level the playing field for the buyers so that you know a cheap offset that doesn't provide any climate benefit that costs $3 is not viewed the same as a direct air capture credit. That's $500 a ton. Those two are not the same, but right now when you're box checking for ESG, they're the same and, and that needs to change. And then the other part, that government can play on the buyer side is to get involved with the monitoring, reporting and verification and quantification uh, schemes that need to be put in place for these credits because corporate buyers need to trust what they're buying and there needs to be a very robust system in place to do that. And then that'll go back to what we just talked about with your last question, You know how to get those corporate buyers to the table? Well, build their trust so that they feel confident in what they're buying. And that's difficult for the, you know the actual CDR ecosystem to do itself because the incentives are a little bit off there. What we need is you know a nonpartisan third party actor to come in and be the clearinghouse for carbon removal credits. And so there's something to happen there, I would say, in the public sector. But you know, if we were to zoom out and, and think about climate in general, what we really need are international cooperation and an appropriate funding mechanism that takes into account the justice issues around who's been the emitters admitter, all these years, who's going to continue to be the emitters. Um, you know, the north-south divide when it comes to the effects of climate change relative to carbon footprints all of those things need to be addressed in an equitable way and that has to be a global effort. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've come from government background. I am pragmatic and I don't wear rose-colored glasses, but I am hopeful for the outcomes of COP27 to continue to move in that direction.
0: So in a similar vein, let's look five years out. What successes would Shopify ideally like to be able to point to at that stage? And what role do you see Shopify playing five years from now?
1: That's such a tough question. And so when I think about five years from now, you know, theoretically, we'll have put out through our broad sustainability fund mandate, another 25 million. You know, we've committed 32 million to date. We've actually cut checks and delivered 11.9 million of that, which is a good amount of cash in the first three years. So we'll have more funding out there. Um, And I think what we're gonna start to see are some of our portfolio companies are going to prove their technology out in the wild. And when I think about a five-year time horizon, I'm really hopeful that we have some answers, especially around ocean-based solutions where we've got some actual data on the efficacy of the approaches as well as the potential ecological impacts of using the ocean as a solution and so i'm hopeful that we'll start to have some real data coming in and what we'll be able to do is have some success but i'm almost more hopeful for the failures and and that might sound a little bit off but i think if we start having some things that don't work because we've actually tried them, we're going to identify, um, and we're going to unlock things that then pave the way for the next generation of solutions. And I think that the faster we fail, the faster we're going to get on with solving a lot of these issues because most of the carbon removal solutions have not yet been done necessarily at a trial phase or, or even at scale. But if we find out, you know. There's massive regulatory hurdles for one type of solution. Well, then guess what? If a company is unsuccessful because of that, now we know what to focus on with the governments so that we can get things in place. Or we find out that something is not as effective as all of the research papers that have been written over the past 20 years. Great. Now we can either optimize or move on. And I think that that is going to be a lot more powerful than the successes. Provided we act on the failures,
0: yeah, stacy, that's that's such a tech CEO answer around the fail fast, um but but learn quickly. and i but I, I think you're absolutely right. I often just kind of refer to this period or this stage in the industry's growth as this like learning stage, right? We have a lot of learning to do. And the sooner we can learn what works and what doesn't work, And the more we can do to kind of mitigate the impact of those failures and bounce back quickly and learn from that, I think is gonna be important, which is also why I really appreciated, you know, companies like Shopify and Stripe approaching this work with a level of transparency that I think is really important. Like, I think it's really important that companies are open and transparent about what's not working so that we can all collectively learn, uh, make the necessary adjustments and optimize around the solutions that are working. And I, I I worry that if we don't do that early and often, we'll get to those failures when we're in a state where it's almost too big to fail. And it's really hard to then course correct. And I think more broadly that can have some real damage to the larger carbon removal industry. And so the way that you're kind of approaching this around you know learning and opportunities to kind of learn from failures early on and often i think is it's going to be critical to the long-term success so I, I think you're i think you're absolutely right on that
1: it's a really exciting time right now yeah i th- i think because some of these initial companies that we signed deals with back in 2020 like running tide like planetary um they're out there and they're about to do it for real for the first time at you know potentially at, at scales that are noteworthy and it's it's right now we're going to find out like when the rubber hits the road is it going to work or is it not going to work and what are the barriers to the scale and i think that how we approach this time period across all the different verticals in cdr is going to be critical for exactly what you're talking about we have to you know open source those failures so that the next iteration doesn't start from the ground floor, you can get in and build on what others have disproven. And it's going to be very interesting couple of years, I think for many different verticals within CDR. And it's very exciting because the ingenuity that I've seen across these companies and heirloom is a great example. Like they focus on learning rate, you know, like Shashank talks all the time about, you know, learning as fast and as much as possible, but not investing too much in that and knowing when to move on. Like, that's good enough. We've learned everything we possibly can. Like, what's next? What's next? And, you know, that appetite is something that is across several of the leading CVR companies. And so, as they actually do these deployments, we're going to very much be able to observe in real time these learnings.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely a really exciting time. Uh, Just to close out, Stacey, how can listeners? learn more about Shopify Sustainability Fund and what comes next for you.
1: Definitely, I would obviously recommend checking out our website. It's shopify.com forward slash climate. And in there you can see ways that we enable our millions of merchants to get involved, as well as um, all the information on our sustainability fund and our commitment through Frontier.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stacey, for sharing your insights with us today. and And thank you for your leadership in this space. I hope we can do this again.